Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. This is indeed Roadworthy Drive. Welcome to another information-packed hour. I'm your host, Ken Chester. This hour, the conversation will be around roads, highways, byways, bridges, and the like and the current thoughts about infrastructure. For about 60 years, the most effective way to generate the funds necessary was by state and federal gasoline and diesel fuel taxes. Question is, is an increase in those taxes today still the right way to go? We will discuss. But before we do, let me introduce the other members of the in-studio Roadworthy Drive crew. My friend and executive producer Jack is manning the control board, while social media diva and outgoing personality Miss Sasha is holding it down on mic, too. Howdy, guys. Hello. Howdy. Howdy. And how's everybody? I'm good. I had another meeting with the suits this week. Uh-oh. What happened? No, we just had to We had to work out a few things, and um, they are looking at your suggestion. Well, Snacks? <laughs> no. A new, no. new chairs. There he goes. There right we there. go. <sighs> we have a winner. Yes, they brought you this other wonderful chair. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But it's newer. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't but it have still the, doesn't um, work. Can I, no. can I tell you something? <laughs> yeah. No, that chair is not newer. The one that he is is, is newer because that one didn't work came, when they got it. Came from the other building. Uh, give me a second. Bump, 12 years bump, ago. Bump, 13 bump, years ago. 12, now. 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in perfect shape except for the fact that it doesn't work. Pretty much. And it shows absolutely no wear and tear because, of course, again, it doesn't, it doesn't work. work. Okay. Yeah. Don't get political on me. Anyway, <laughs> no. Do not. And, and if you're a first-time listener. You thank you. And you want to connect with the Roadworthy Drive crew, it's easy. Call or text me via the Roadworthy Drive line at 872-222-9793 or email me. That's Ken at RoadworthyDrive.com. Either way, connects you to the show. And, of course, believe it or not, all of us on the crew want to hear from you. Now, regular part listeners know that about now, I start rummaging around for news, and I call it from the parts bin. Okay, Ken, what is in the parts bin this week? I've got one thing okay. in the parts bin. Consumer Reports list top 2018 cars. And by the look on your face, I'm going to probably say that you have no way in heck of agreeing with anything on this list. Oh, my. No, it's not quite that bad. But I will tell you something. Okay. There is no, and this might come as a shock to Sasha. Yes. Premeditary shock yeah. right now. Okay, good. No Tesla on the list. What? It's been rigged. Rigged, I tell you. <laughs> No, 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 no Tesla on the list. There are four Toyotas, two Chevrolets, okay. and one Ford, and a smattering of a Subaru and a BMW, believe it or not, on the list. Okay, so let's get to it. Well, I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go domestic here first, okay. and then kind of loop around, because it was kind of a surprise. Uh, Compact, they actually have a... Uh, 
category for this. Compact green car. Top of the list. Compact green car. Toyota Prius. Chevrolet Bolt. What? Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Let me read what they had to say about that just so very briefly. They said, the Bolt proves that electric cars need not apologize for a lack of driving performance. Um, Distinctive looking, brisk handling, tight handling, 250-mile electric range. And they said, all told, GM has performed an impressive feat with the Bolt. They liked it. Okay. Okay. Let me skip down to this. Another surprise. Large car. Top of the list for a large car. Foreign or domestic? I'm not going to tell you. That would give it away. I have no idea. Uh, Hold on to something. Hold on to something, because you ain't going to believe it. (laughs) Chevrolet Impala. Wow. Chevrolet Impala. And it's what they said. Continues to be a gem among large cars, providing a driving experience that's more akin to a luxury car. The spacious, well, I'm sorry, the spacious, quiet cabin is well-dressed with high-quality materials and trim. The roomy, supportive front seats conal occupants, and the rear seats are generously proportioned. We favor the V6 for its abundant, smooth power. Those in the market would be wise to consider an Impala. Well, and see, and it's been so long since I've owned a car. Mm-hmm. I've either had SUVs or pickups mm-hmm. that I would I would still not buy a car. Mm-hmm. I either want an SUV or I want a pickup. Yeah. And, and I said yeah. two things. One, when I saw the redesigned Impala about three years ago at the Chicago Auto Show, right. I said then they would sell every single one they could make. It was an amazing car. I am glad that through time... Um, that that's been backed up. Mm-hmm. Now, best full size pickup. Ford F one fifty. We have a winner. Yeah. He is right. Yes. Yeah. The best never rests. They say, and it's a best selling truck for a reason. Mm-hmm. The best selling vehicle in America is an impressive, innovative workhorse. These are words from Consumer Reports, not me. Mm-hmm. The F one fifty pulls ahead of the pack. Thanks to its weight reduction design and turbocharged six-cylinder engine, clever features abound. From the Sync 3 infotainment system to the Pro Trailer backup assist, which simplifies the otherwise tricky tax of backing up while towing a trailer. Now, here's the thing they end with, and again, Consumer Reports, and I quote: "It's an excellent truck." F-150. Well, that's why we buy them. That's why. Um. A couple of interesting asides. Uh, not not a surprise. Best compact car, Toyota Corolla. Mm-hmm. Mid-sized car, again, not a surprise. Toyota Camry. Remember my rant from last week. Right. Um, minivan, not surprised. Toyota Sienna, not surprised. Well, and I'm not either. Didn't you say at one point here coming up that Dodge is probably going to quit making the caravan? Um, well, the Grand Caravan... The Grand Caravan is in its previous generation, and they're going to make it until nobody buys it. Yeah. But basically, it's a fleet It's a fleet minivan now. If you rent a minivan, chances are it will be a Dodge Grand Caravan. Okay. Because they didn't upgrade it with the uh, Chrysler Pacifica. It's okay. being built on the previous generation minivan chassis. And they're just cranking them out and dropping the price. Um, com- Best compact SUV. 
on the pilot? No. Sasha, want to take a guess? It's Toyota, but I forget what that means. No. Is. No? What no. is it? I don't know. Subaru Forester. What? Yes. No, you know, that really doesn't surprise me. That and surprises I will, me. I will throw this out at you, what they said. And what they said, this is a practical, smartly packaged, small SUV that prizes fuel economy, room, visibility, and reliability over trendiness or flash. The standard 2.5-liter engine provides only decent performance, but it offers exceptional fuel economy. The Forester is a wise choice. It makes a pleasant travel companion, whether you're road tripping or commuting. I'll let that settle. Finally, i got to throw this out because uh, typically uh, foreign makes, particularly European makes, don't make their list. Mm-hmm. Luxury compact SUV. BMW X3, not a Lexus. Oh, the X3 made it. Redesigned for 2018, the X3 is tops in its class. Its power is smooth and nearly immediate when you press on the gas pedal, even with the base turbo four-cylinder engine. The X3 is certain to delight those looking for an upscale SUV that is polished and fun to drive. The one they tested could be yours. Sticker price, Fifty-three thousand seven forty-five. A couple years ago, I test drove an X3 and an X5, mm-hmm. and I can tell you, give me the X5 any day. The X3 was just way too small for me. Well, you know that's why they make an X1, an X3, and X5. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And looking at coming out with something a little bit bigger, called the X7, built in America. That one I had not heard. Yeah, it's coming. I haven't seen one yet, but I know of it. Are they going to try to compete with what you're driving outside right now? Well, it's upscale, so it's not going to compete with this. This is more um, the Volkswagen Atlas that I'm currently driving. Mm -hmm. Wonderful vehicle, by the way, and very nimble. But that's more middle market than where BMW is. And that BMW is at least ten grand more. At least. At least. So a few surprises from, from Consumer Reports. They usually in the past did not really like domestic vehicles, but it's nice to see that America is weighing in and kicking butt, taking names. When I return, money for highways, and you are tuned to Roadworthy Drive. Do you have a question, idea, or comment for Ken? You can let him know by calling 872-888-9793, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Leave Ken a voicemail message or a text. Engineer, race driver. The car, the Shelby Mustang GT. To build my kind of car, I had to take an existing car and modify it. I could have chosen any set of wheels I wanted. I picked Mustang. Mustang is styled right. Lean and strong looking, not fat and round. And Mustang has that long list of features and options. I'll tell you, when it comes to imitations, I've seen some, but competition for the original... I haven't seen any. Only Mustang makes it happen. These aren't just words. It's a fact. 
has a better idea. If you're just tuning in, welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Highways and roads. Almost every American motorist has that one stretch of road that they would readily admit is just plain awful. Yeah, there's a stretch of county road I would recommend. Runs uh, kind of borderline of two counties, runs north-south. Uh-huh. Yeah, just north of Albion, Iowa. Yeah that, yeah, that would be my nomination. Well, runs about 20 miles. Well, but right now where we live, um, you're at the time of season where uh, we have potholes swallowing cars. And frost heaves. Yep. Yep. There's a huge one at the bottom of my street. Yeah. Yeah, more heave than frost. Yeah. Well, in any case, with the build-out of the interstate highway system and a dramatic upgrade and expansion of other state and local roads and highways in recent years, our country is now faced with the repair and replacement of much of that investment. Countrywide, the cost is estimated to be in the tens of trillions of dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, a few a few things of thought. Uh, money for highways. Where to look. Okay, would you say where to look? Mm-hmm. Right now, and I realize we'll get into this in the next segment, mm-hmm. but we have the gasoline tax. Mm-hmm. Some states have toll roads. Some st- uh, Most states have gasoline taxes, too. And, uh, correct. You have federal and state gasoline taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At what point, if we're going to end up making this conversion at some point to electric vehicles, is it going to come down to that they're going to shove a tax on the electricity to help pay for the roads. You know, that that is a good question. Or the other or another question that I have is at what point in time are you going to see your license plates and tags go up considerably? They would have to. Uh no. Mobility people let that sink in for Somebody's going to pay for it and it's going to come down to the end consumer. It, it is, but hold on a minute. But if you gonna... if you choose not to be an owner, yeah, then you're it's not, not the consumer. Direct. Plus, also, you can talk about use taxes, but if you're broken poor, how is that going to? It's going to put you disproportionately at risk because you can't afford to be paying all this, unless they're going to give you some kind of credit at the pump to counteract what they're charging elsewhere if you're below a certain income, or they're going to give you an allowance, or they're going to give you a break. Those are things we're going to be talking about in a little more detail in the next segment. Okay. Um, but I want to I want to just kind of lay the groundwork here. Um, drivers all over are finding when they hit the road, the road hits back. Yes, yeah. it does. Poorly designed roads have resulted in deaths. Everyone agrees that cumbling highways should be fixed. Engineers say U.S. highways rate a D plus. However... U.S. roads are in better shape than those in Sweden, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, and Australia. And this is according to a separate global survey by the the World Economic Forum. Here's something. Now, you would think in Germany, the roads would be awesome, right? Right. Where the Autobahn was born, western highways in the western part of the country are in poor shape. Because remember, with reunification, they took all that money and put it in East Germany. So are you telling me the Autobahn is collapsing? It needs work. Yeah, but don't they use like a higher grade of cement for their roads over there? No, they use a they use deeper a deeper. Um, it's a thicker pour. cement. Yeah, is that what it it's, is? It's yeah, eighteen inches compared yeah. to the U.S., Ooh. which is ten. 
And okay. and the other thing too is that we have in this country, well, as, eight, as we have all talked about here before, is the fact that you look at how many bridge failures that we are having in this country because they've had to put the money off for so long yep. to replace the bridge until that bridge collapses. It's like, or is no longer safe, or is no longer safe. Yeah. And and I don't remember how many years ago it was, but when the bridge fell on thirty five W up in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. um, that one was. They literally had to find the money to fix that bridge. Mm -hmm. Like the United States, most nations tax fuel and pay for road repairs out of their general budgets, which, of course, nowadays are not as fat as they used to be. Uh, Right here, like we talked about, we pay for highways in charge by charging drivers a fuel tax and funneling money to states through a national highway trust fund. Guess what? Three years ago, the fund was almost out of money. They voted an extension that July, another one in that October, before they agreed on a plan to provide that December, get this now, $281 billion. And that's only for five years for roads, bridges, and mass transit. And you're starting to see now, or at least around here, where they've literally been taking big sections of the interstate and replacing them. Well, they've been doing that for a number of and they've years, been doing yeah. that for a number of years. Yeah. And by, and by the and I say this all the time to to my friends and my family. Every time I go down to Kansas City, the roads in Kansas City, especially the interstate system, is always under construction. And just about the time they get done with everything, they got to turn around and start over to the beginning again. Yep. The federal highway, the federal interstate system mm-hmm. today, it has grown to now forty seven thousand miles. Wow. Um, at first, the highway trust fund. Which, by the way, was not the first federal plan. The first federal plan was actually the Federal Road Aid Act of 1916. But the Federal Highway, uh, the Highway Trust Fund was the way they found to finance it going forward in a predictable, dependable way. That enabled us to build the interstate highway system. And that was done during the Eisenhower 1956. administration. 1956. Okay, and they broke ground six weeks later. Yep. Now. At first, fuel taxes made covered it all. Now it only covers sixty five percent. We currently charge eighteen point four cents a gallon on gasoline, twenty four point four cents a gallon for diesel fuel, far less than many other countries. Taxes haven't been adjusted for inflation and have not been raised in twenty five years. US federal tax dollars now only pay about twenty seven percent of transportation construction and maintenance. Guess who pays the rest? The states. You got it, buddy. And that, sir, is part of the problem. Um, and, you know, to set this up for the next segment, we talk about a fuel tax. Cars and trucks are becoming more fuel efficient, and Americans are driving less. And guess what? People aren't buying as much gasoline and diesel fuel, which means less fuel means less tax. Less tax means more pressure to find another solution. So when we come back, gasoline tax increase... Or not. This is Roadworthy Drive. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network.
Welcome to the downhill side of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm so glad you could join us. I'm Ken Chester. The topic this hour is road upkeep and how it should be paid for. Before we get back to the issue at hand, a question. Have you visited our show website? No. What? <laughs> Jack? Uh, really? I got reaction value. That's all I'm here for. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's the adult in the room, people. Mm-hmm. Updated and easier to use. Roadworthydrive.com is the right place for you to listen to past shows, watch behind the scenes as we produce the show in studio each week, and more. Sasha is the handy-dandy social media diva. I like that. Handy-dandy social media diva. Handy-dandy. Yeah. Now, Jack, that one was written late. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who keeps things light and lively during the week between shows with interesting and unique automotive tech news that you won't find anywhere else. See how she keeps the social and our social media. So here's the big question for you guys. You both own vehicles that burn uh, gasoline. Yes, sir. Or the souls of small children, yeah. Uh, gasoline. <laughs> Are you willing to spend more at the gas pump to repair the roads here? We've already, we've already been nicked once. I don't get a choice. Okay, but if you – well, actually, you do have a choice. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. You can buy a Tesla. Well, I think what he's saying is that Jack has went a fairly long time in a truck and not, you know, actually driven a car. Yeah, but yeah I, went a, I went a very long time without that. Am I willing to pay it? At this point, I don't see where I have a choice because I don't want to be on a bridge someday and a darn thing collapse while I'm on it. Okay, but let me ask it again. Just don't go and, over bridges. There, there you go. go. <laughs> um, you do have a choice. One of the choices, you could have a second vehicle, if not a Tesla, a hybrid, uh, an electric, uh, the Nissan Leaf, Chevy Bolt, a Chevy Volt, um, you know, the Toyota Prius. These are vehicles that if you wanted to get away from gasoline, you could as a second vehicle. But at some point in time, they're going to find a way to start taxing the electricity to put on that vehicle. I, I don't think that's how this game yeah. works. No, because here's the thing. No. Most of your electric vehicles, they say, takes as much power as a toaster. So how exactly are they going to tax electricity? And if it only takes as much as a toaster um, with solar yeah. power and so on? Yeah, but you're missing the point and you're not addressing the issue. You're complaining about the money. I'm asking, how, how are we going to fund this? Um, if that's not that the is place, a really good question, because what I'm hearing from you is no. If I have a choice, no, is what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. which is fine. You have that choice. Um, my question is, if not that you get every day you you leave your driveway, mm -hmm. you get the benefit of public roadways, the street in front of your house. The street over, the streets here, the highways you use. Okay, I'm going to bring up a topic that's not going to make me popular. Go for it. Um, these damn people who think the bicycle and the bicycle lanes are necessary down our streets in this town are out of their damn mind. The day that the bicyclists start paying for use of that road is the day they can be on them. Can we actually say that in the radio? I just did. Oh, Okay. Um, Sorry, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit miffed on that subject, but go on. But here's the issue, Jack. That's one city's take, maybe a couple. Oh, it's more than that. But let's come back to the thing: they're not on the interstates. They're not on federal highways. They're not supposed to be. But they're not. Those need repair. And the question still remains: 
If a gas tax is not the way, what is? Well, if gas tax is not the way, the only other option you got is toll. Okay, that's one way. But the offset to that, which is actually in a way more fair, if you're using the road, you pay for the road. That's fair. Unfortunately, if you are of lower income, roads that are technically free, you're not paying to use them directly. You're paying in the gasoline you use, yeah, but not non-toll directly. Yeah, road. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be, you could, it could be a problem for you, particularly if you live in a rural area and the only way you can get to work is through a toll road. Yeah. Um, there are ways around that, too. Um, you can give a credit. You can give an exemption. Whatever okay, here's, below a certain here's level. My, here's my question: What answer do you have for that question? Um, I think it's a variety of questions. I think it's a variety of answers. Okay, um, I'm not totally thrilled of a toll road, but the thought of somebody driving their Tesla on the same road paying zip for its upkeep bothers me a bit. So toll rolls may be part of the answer. The only way I could go with the toll road uh, or roads in which there are fees. There are several different solutions. One of them is called variable pricing. We talked about that toll road in Virginia, and that had the effect of regulating traffic depending on what you were willing to pay. I think that's part of the answer. Um, I've used a couple of toll roads uh, recently when I went to Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, In Illinois, if you have the electric device for the toll road, you pay half of what somebody paying cash pays. So that encourages you. And that's discrimination. Well, it may be, but it's less cost. It's less cost for them. But, and businesses do that all the time, but Jack. But maybe I don't have the means to buy the, the dang little device they've got. Then you'd probably be driving other roads. And actually, for the record, the device doesn't cost anything. You do have to put money on it, minimum of $30. Okay, you show me, you show me a economically challenged individual that is able to do that, and the closest way to get to point A to point B and save gas is to use, use that dang toll, toll Yeah, road. but one of the and things is is that you're either going to be pay, putting out the money in gasoline. more gas to go around it, or you're going to pay the money up front to use and, the road. And I, think, exactly. and I think as we get closer and this becomes more of an issue, I think it's a matter of exemption based on income. But I think things like this, I think what Ken is bringing up with toll roads and how you're going to get more money for that infrastructure, it's going to push people away from actual vehicle ownership. Now, I don't want I don't want to sound dumb here, but I thought I heard that the current administration was coming up with some kind of public state private partnership to start working on infrastructure. Yeah. Let me help you with that. Okay. Um, Most of the money spent now is by the states and the cities now and they don't have enough money to do it and the the plan by the current administration is only that money is only like seed money you're looking at a trillion dollars they want to spend but they're only going to put up 200 billion that ain't going to get it done states the states and cities are already complaining now we're spending 95 percent of this money and the formulas that are being used are skewed towards new projects not repair and maintenance so to get the federal money, most of it, 95% of it, uh, according to the government itself, is spent for the highways for the improvement, expansion, and major repair, um, with only 5% spent for operation and maintenance. Now, um, since 2008, the feds have kicked in to make the highway trust fund solvent $143 billion. 
And they got to deal with it again because it's going to be insolvent by 2021, 2022. So food for thought there. Um, we're going to continue on that. And I'm going to talk about some ways that maybe the federal government could utilize the money that they have more efficiently that might give the states and cities some help. Highway spending, a better way. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. This is Roadworthy Drive. This is the last part of our, this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Ken Chester. We just had, uh, between the break, one of the most passionate conversations <laughs> no. we've ever had. You would think that highway maintenance and taxes would not get people riled. But then again, this is the Roadworthy Drive crew. We're passionate about a lot of stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Taxes not getting people riled? Uh, well, you know, I mean, when it comes to highways, <laughs> well, apparently ta- it does right any, here. Any kind of tax right? will get people riled Right, up. yeah. Yeah, but my argument is twofold. One, that money's got to come from somewhere. Yep. And you can't keep starving something and expect it to continue to flourish. Okay, then I'm going to ask you the question. Mm-hmm. Where is a better way for us to find the money? Because honestly, bud, I'm being very honest. I don't see where it comes from. And that's part of the problem. We've, the National Highway, the Highway Trust Fund right. used to fund 100% of the cost. Right. Now, way less than that. You said, Parts, you said 65%, right? Of, yeah, I'd have to look at that. But it hasn't increased in 25 years. Part of that due to inflation, part of that, you know, due to the cost of things. Mm-hmm. So the earn the the dollars have gone down. Plus, Congress has been throwing money at this, and I didn't realize this until I did the research for this piece, uh, for the last ten years. And lots of money. As we mentioned in the last segment, from now through for the next five years through 2021, 2022, five years. $281 billion they pulled from somewhere else to put in the Highway Trust Fund. Okay. And it's still not going to get it done. And that's way more than $143 billion from 2008 to last year. So what is your better way? Okay. Well, I think it's a variety of things. Now, I'm going to quote some of this from the Congressional Budget Office. They issued a report back in 2016 Approaches to make federal highway spending more productive. Now, it's not going to solve all the problems, but they they looked at within the framework of what they were doing at the federal level and looked at some ways that they could come to grips with this. Now, they talked about, and I'm going to skip around a little bit, three approaches that Congress could consider when make highway spending more productive. One, have the federal government or allow states and private businesses to charge, derive, to charge drivers directly for their use of roads more often, including charging them more for using roads when traffic is more congested. 
think Virginia with uh, variable tolls. Remember that? Yeah, remember that. Okay. Two, allocate funds to states on the basis of benefits and costs of specific programs and projects. And where they're going with that is look at the projects that would bring the most economic benefit to that area. There's some that would reduce bottlenecks or doing maintenance on those that would take the pressure off. Of, in other words, just, instead of just spending money willy-nilly because it's a road that needs to be fixed, you put the roads in priority order. And we've done that here. In fact, with our highway through town here, we 10 years ago spent, was that $435 million for a 10-year project? Yeah, from 2002 to 2012. Well, yeah. Well, actually, I think it was kind of over in 2001 when they expanded the highway and they reconfigured it. And they redid all the bridges and all the pavement. They took another 120 homes and businesses. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, oh. they actually expanded in order to straighten some stuff out. But some of that stuff was really messed up with some really, I'll be gentle, uh, difficult on-ramps and off-ramps. Yes. That, for the most part, are better now. Meaning less people died, less congestion, more throughput. Because the road had, uh, the traffic had outgrown the road. Yeah. By quite a bit. So it's a matter of they put the money there as opposed to putting the money on a city street. That's true. And that would do more good. And that's what they're talking about. You know, put some priority on the projects that you allocate the money for. So what you're saying is put more of the money in the cities instead of on the highways. Well, more in the cities and less in the rural. Right now, federal highway formulas don't differentiate between a mile of rural highway as opposed to a mile of urban highway. I understand that, but you also had the same problem that Sasha talked to us about earlier mm-hmm. about the bridge collapsing. But it wasn't it wasn't a federal highway. It was not. And it wasn't a state highway. No, no. but no, And I'm but, willing to bet it wasn't a county road either. A paved county road, I bet it was a gravel county road. I believe it was gravel. Enough said. Okay. Maintained by the county. You know, there is some federal money available, but because it doesn't it doesn't fall into the top three classifications for federal funding. Mm-hmm. That's all out of the state pocket and to a lesser extent the county's pocket. Okay. So and that's just the way it is. Uh, the third thing they were looking at uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the third thing, link spending more closely to performance measures, such as ones for traffic congestion or road quality, by providing additional funds to, st- to states that meet the standards or penalizing states that do not. In other words, if you want better roads and you want a better outcome, you reward the people who figured it out and you penalize the folks that don't, which will give them an incentive to get with the program rather than spending money willy-nilly. Most of the, Right now, the federal formulas are for new roads or enhancements to existing roads, not repair and maintenance. Most of the repair and maintenance is still coming out of state and local pockets. That is the problem. And isn't that where the majority of the expense is, though? Yeah, and they could use some help. But the federal formulas don't do that. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. There are four different classifications of road. And I, I'm wondering if I can find that real quick. Um, right here. Uh, highway, number one, uh, for purposes of distributing federal highway funding, the federal government identifies four categories of roads. 
number one and obvious, highways in an interstate system. Two, roads in the national highway system, composed of interstates and other roads serving significant population centers. Those would be your U.S. highways. Another one, federal aid highways, made up of interstates and most other roads that are not local roads. And then finally, non-federal aid roads, which in Sasha's case would be a non-federal aid road. A county road would not mm-hmm. get a federal paved, money. A paved county road. Doesn't say paved. Oh, it doesn't? No, sir. It says, and I'll read it uh, real quick, mostly local roads and certain others that are typically not eligible for federal aid in the federal classification system, local roads that are two-lane roads that are usually owned by local governments and function almost entirely to provide access. And in her case, that would be that kind of road. Yep. So here we go. We've come to another end of an hour together. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, folks, thanks for listening. You have been tuned to Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.